Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Episode 346 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you deep into the night on a Saturday. It's April 23rd, about to be April 24th, and I am joined by Eric Cole. Hello, sir. Bradford, it has been too long since we've got to talk baseball, so how are you, my friend? It has been, uh, and just by the way, we're recording this on Saturday night because of me. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, the team that I cover uh, quite a bit, has a playoff basketball game at home on Sunday, so I have to go to that. And uh, somehow that, w- that would actually be even later than tonight. Um, of course, the Braves, uh, once we decided to schedule this podcast with uh, the two East Coast hosts of this podcast, they uh, played about a four-hour baseball game tonight to make things difficult on us. But uh, Eric, it has been too long, and I appreciate you being here. Uh, it's not a problem, man. I, 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 whenever you – I knew our – I was actually – I'm already planning on leaving to, for a day trip like crazy early tomorrow morning. And I already knew that with minor league, I had minor league recap duty, so I knew I wasn't going to be sleeping a lot anyway. Uh, I didn't fully appreciate how bad it was going to be until <laughs> the, uh, just now, but you know that's 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 okay. I'm, I'm always look forward to doing the show with you, so it's good. To, it's gonna be a good time. Yeah, it will not be ending until Sunday, so uh, just keep that in mind as you're listening to this podcast. Normally, we would record on Sunday evening into Monday, so there will be no analysis on the Sunday game because we we've not watched it. Uh, just yet so keep that in mind but other than that a normal podcast on the way and uh, one plug here at the top uh, eric is the host and uh, of the road atlanta podcast which is on this same feed on the minor league side and then of course the daily hammer as well with sean coleman doing a fantastic job on that show please subscribe to the podcast network you get three shows for the price of zero dollars and we really definitely appreciate all of the support on the podcast um as for the week that was for the atlanta braves not necessarily fantastic there was some stuff to hit on uh, sort of big picture stuff and then also the fact that the Braves uh, are still below 500 they had a chance to get back to, back to 500 tonight with a win and they were not able to do so they had chances they led at different times on Saturday which we'll come back to later on in the show but they're now seven and nine and Eric uh, basically 10 percent of the season is over obviously that's not exactly the case but 16 out of 162 is in the books now. Uh, no reason to panic whatsoever, but the Braves have not been uh, lighting the world on fire. And uh, I've, I sense some frustration in the fan base this evening. Maybe it's just because it's late at night and it was kind of a weird, bad loss in a lot of ways. But uh, do you feel any of that? Uh, I'm, I don't, I'm not panicking at all, but uh, is there any like nervousness level for you right now through 16 games? Well, I mean, you'd prefer them win more than win more <laughs> yes. than lose, right? Like, like that's I think that's fundamentally it. I mean, it's a tough situation because it felt like a very winnable game, and like the, the ways in which the Braves have lost have been pretty frustrating uh, early in the season, where like you know the batted ball luck was not great. Uh, that continued today, <laughs> where there was some uh, some like 
I think three straight batted balls with like 150 or lower uh, expected batting average resulted in bad things happening to the Braves in this game uh, versus, you know, hard, hard hit outs that seem to be a common theme uh, throughout, of course, few, first few weeks of the season. I'm not super worried, though. Uh, the, the, there's de- definitely been more positives to take away that over the course of a long season, I think, will even themselves out. You know, Dansby looked better at the plate. They're going to get back Ron Lacuna Jr. If you had told me that Kyle Wright was probably a, a leading Cy Young candidate at this moment in time uh, in the National League, I would have laughed at you to start the season. So, and here we are where he has looked absolutely lights out. You know, they've gotten contributions from, you know, guys that you wouldn't have necessarily thought, you know, Bryce Elders looked good. Spencer Strider's mostly looked good except for tonight. I, I am not worried about this team. I'm not, I, they're not a team that's going to not score <laughs> on, a, on a regular basis. And that's what's really what's doomed them so far this season is they haven't been able to score consistently, but that's been kind of a league wide trend too, where there's just been some weird, you know, this lack of offense in the month of April. So this, especially when Acuna gets back, this is, this is a very good baseball team. I'm not worried about the long term, but again, it certainly would have been better if they started, you know, 14 and five or whatever, but it's, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah, there's this dance that you kind of have to do in April as someone who's trying to be objective and cover a baseball team. And it's like, you can't overdo it on what's happened so far uh, on positive directions or negative directions. But also you can't just say absolutely nothing. So it's like you have to take your stands along the way and things. But uh, it is very early still. 10% of the season is now in the books. But uh, that means that 90% is still remaining. And as we've said a couple of times on this podcast over the last few months, the Braves were under 500 last year in August. So, well, yeah. Um, and there's nothing, there's nothing been about the process or like, there's not been an injury that's been damning. No, nothing's changed. Like I mean, that's that. the thing. I, yeah, I, just, I tweeted this this weird. week, but it was like, and I got some negative, not too, not, not too much, but some negative reaction. I was like, look, my opinion of the team quality has not changed at all. Obviously there are individual stories that we've touched on and we will we'll touch on this podcast, even ranging from Kyle Ryan on the positive side to other, other guys that are struggling. But in terms of like team quality, nothing has really changed. Ronnie's coming back pretty soon. Uh, no major injuries. The guys who are on this roster, I have not changed opinion on over the course of two and a half weeks. It's just not going to happen like that. So I feel similarly to how I did two and a half weeks ago. The, I guess the quote unquote problem is that you have now banked nine losses. That's the only thing that's, that's different about this at all is that you've now uh, secured those nine losses, but everything else is kind of the same. Yeah, pretty much. It just, you know, it, it stinks, but at the same time, like there's not, again, like the there's plenty of guys that are hitting reasonably well. They haven't really kind of been able to like the, the solo home run thing was is kind of hysterical. It's over, uh, Eric. They hit a, they hit, yeah, they hit yeah, a yeah, multi no. they hit a multi run home run this evening. It happened. Yep, yep. From, from from perennial bad luck candidate Alex Dickerson too. That was very uh, funny. On a ball, yes. on a ball expecting batting average of. 0.090. It was it's, one of his worst hit, uh, one of the yep. worst hit baseballs that he's had all season long, and it went over the fence, which is hilarious because he's been so yes. bad. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> lots of lots of, of can't predict things. ball kind of stuff going on in the early going of the season. Kind of an appropriate uh, way to end that little uh, sort of broad start to the podcast. There is a little bit of news to hit on briefly. Um, I know Sean talked about this earlier this week, but uh, Sean Newcomb is now no longer a member of the Braves for the first time in a long time. Uh, he was DFA'd, and then. Also traded right after that to uh, actually reacquire an old friend, Jesse Chavez, who just pitched tonight and pitched pretty well. Uh, he was pretty good last year. People kind of forgotten that, including me almost. But I looked at this uh, up, obviously. He was like a low two ERA guy. I'm not sure he was quite that good peripheral-wise last year. But Jesse Chavez, uh, at a minimum, is better than Sean Newcomb. 
Uh, so that helps the bullpen, you would say. Obviously, Chavez yep. is an older yep. guy. He's older than I am, which means you're old, basically. But uh, he does help. There you go. He 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 does help to cause a, more of just kind of getting Sean Newcomb out of the bullpen as a tool that taking the club use. out of the bag. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, like he was the one guy that just kept being put in situations that he just did not belong in. I mean, in uh, Monday, close... Monday being the case, obviously. The Monday is the one yes. that like kind of set everything off because we won't go into all of it because Sean did it and it was, you know, six days ago. But basically they used Newcomb and I won't say it's a high leverage situation, but it was certainly a, a mid leverage situation against Freddie Freeman and Trey Turner back to back. And that kind of ended that game in a lot of ways. Uh, and then, you know, less than, a, less than a day later, he was gone. I'm not sure if that was a coincidence. I think it probably wasn't, to be honest. Well, yeah, I mean, if you just continue to pitch badly, right? And it's it's one of the things that bothered me about just having Newcomb in general is that the only reason he was on the in the bullpen to begin with is because he didn't have any options. It's he didn't earn he, he, he nothing in spring training or what he's done in recent history made you go, he's a guy that we need in our bullpen from the left side because this is already a bullpen that has a bunch of left hand lefty arms, and there were just better options available to them. Uh, the, the, the decision between him and Jacob Webb was an interesting one coming out of spring seeing sound that neither one of those guys are around in the base organization anymore, uh, especially since I thought Jacob Webb was significantly better, but it's, it, he just, every time where you're like, okay, they're down a couple runs here comes Sean Newcomb. And you're like, this is not going to end well. And it never ended well. It, he, he was never a guy that could put out a fire. He often caused more fires than he would put out. And it's a shame because that was a really live arm and there was nothing obvious to fix. The delivery was good. The stuff, like if you just looked at what the, his velos were and what his pitches did, all of it lined up. It's kind of like a similar thing with Kyle Wright up until, you know, the, what the current incarnation of him, it's that it was very much a mental thing and that's a tough problem to fix. And it just never he never lined up. He never. He was never able to carve out a role on a consistent basis, even with a lot of arm talent. And now he's playing for the Cubs and actually made a you know made his appearance uh, for the Cubs today when the Cubs were up twenty-one nothing against the Pirates. So that lead feels pretty safe. Uh, twenty-one to nothing uh, that happened yeah. in baseball today. By the way, yeah, let's just say this: what, what it? Uh, I'm not sure how to frame this. Wouldn't it be incredible if Newcomb was just awesome with the Cubs? Like, wouldn't that just be incredible? Uh, I will say that it will cause a certain segment of the fan base to share a lot of thoughts on the Braves pitching coaching situation, uh, pitching development situation. And frankly, none of that stuff's true. Uh, it's just that Sean, if Sean Newcomb's perfectly talented and we've seen him have stretches where he was really good and he almost no hit the Dodgers a few years ago as a starter. So it's not like he isn't capable of putting together a, a stretch. And we've seen guys that have left the Braves perform well. Lucas Sims was really good for a year or so as a reliever for the Reds. And those, those things happened. Kevin Gaussman, uh, who was you know, historically pretty unlucky and also pretty bad with the Braves. Uh, his, you know, he's now been paid quite handsomely. Uh, and pitching as a starter great. And, yeah. And pitching awesome. Uh, one of the best pitchers in the league this year. So th- these things happen. It's just, you know, there's been plenty of cases too where guys who were not particularly great uh, you know, stayed not great or even were worse than that uh, for, for the Braves. You know, what I was happy with just these decisions is it seems like the Braves are being aggressive with how they're managing the pitching staff and particularly the bullpen. And I think that that's going to continue. They've made some pr- promotions, uh, one in particular uh, to AAA that makes me think that they're very willing to continue to manage and get the best arms in the bullpen possible because they know just how 
with this condensed start to spring training that, you know, starters, starters are just having trouble, you know, getting really warmed up. And we've seen some of the starters for the Braves struggle early in the season and they're going to continue to be aggressive. So they, they DFA'd Newcomb, Waskari Noah, that, you know, he's back down to Gwinnett. Uh, hopefully he can carve out a, a role as a reliever. I've never really been in on him as a starter. He hasn't been good. So, you know, just being aggressive and just continuing to think outside the box to put the best, rotation and bullpen together and you know if, as long as they're being they're using this first month where they're still trying to figure things out and actually figure things out rather than just kind of staring at the same group of you know 13 14 guys and just hoping that they figure it out uh, I'm, I'm all for that so it's you know overall just i i actually like what a lot of these these moves mean is that they're really trying to make things happen i tend to agree with that for sure and even the uh you know a thing like i've never been the highest on him and i know we, i think he's starting on sunday Gwinnett. If I, if I read that correctly. And uh, I think keeping him as a starter in Gwinnett for a while makes some sense. Even if I think long-term, he probably ends up being a reliever. He's still young enough where you don't want to just bail on him as a starter, even as someone who doesn't really believe in it, if that makes sense. Like he's you know, give him a chance to start. If, if it works, it works. Um, but I think if they need him later in the season in the bullpen, they can make that happen. Um, and he's got that live arm, obviously, and he's uh, struggled as a starter recently, but we'll get, we'll get to that when we need to. Um. Last other uh, sort of like newsy thing is that Ronald Acuna is getting closer. We talked about a little bit with, with Scott and I last week, but even the last five, six days, he is seemingly taking another step forward. He played seven innings in the outfield on Friday and came out of that just fine. He DH tonight and reached base five times. They wanted no part of him in that game. They yeah, intentionally walked immediately in a key spot. Uh, yeah, which, I mean, I don't, I don't blame anybody for doing that. Yeah, obviously, yeah. Uh, especially no. in that league when he is like, you know, the best player ever to walk in AAA. So, uh, you know, obviously that's going to be a positive. He's getting closer. Snicker did sort of acknowledge today to the media that he is not locked into May sixth as the official target date that's been, that they've been using for a while. That's still two weeks away, and he's going to play the outfield uh, three or four times this week. And if it goes well, he might be up sooner rather than later. There was a little bit of like questions on Twitter about whether he can come back like this weekend. That's not obviously going to happen. They're taking it a little bit slower than that. But um, I think that if he had to play today, he obviously he obviously could. Um, but being careful with him makes sense. I still, though, would take the under on May 6th based on what we know right now. Does that sound about right to you? Uh, I think I'd take the under on making it to the month of May, if I'm being honest about it. Yeah, I mean, you, you got know, you got it, seven it, more days. That makes that's yeah. uh, I think you're gonna be right about that probably. We'll see. Yeah, you know, and I, but I like what the Braves are doing is that you know I don't think that they're worried about the knee. I think they're just worried about making sure that like things like hamstrings and quads and you know muscles and tendons they're all stretched out and he's used to that. Because look, Ronnie is gonna run like his hair's on fire everywhere. He can't it's not do what it. he's gonna, yeah he he's, can't. He's doing it in Gwinnett now. He probably shouldn't be, but he's like stealing bases and scoring from second on balls. He shouldn't be. And, you know, he, it, it's just what Ronnie, Ronnie is built to just run like his hair's on fire and just make things happen everywhere on the baseball field. So they're having to like force days off, force them into the DH. So that way they can like, let's ease into this a bit. So that way you're not like running around trying to chase down balls. You shouldn't be, you know, when you're rehabbing down there in right field in Gwinnett, you know, we need you doing that stuff and for Atlanta for 130, 40 games or whatever it's going to be this year. So, you know, just getting in game shape. And, you know, when Snicker said that, it made a whole lot of sense to me, right? Um, Ultimately, I don't think it's going to make – I don't think there's much of a chance that he's going to make it till May 6th at all. Uh, I do think that it will probably be, you know, in the next week or so. And he's looked great. Uh, He's, you know, he's not – 
he's not hitting home runs every game or whatever, but it, uh, he's still doing a lot of damage and, you know, causing havoc down there. And when you have, when you think of a guy like that, you know, reaching base, you know, three or four times a game and what he'd look like at the top of this lineup right now, uh, considering how well, you know, Matt Olson's been doing, Ozzy Alpies uh, being a perennial home run candidate, uh, uh, threat uh, all of a sudden and you know mvp albies baby we're well on our way it, 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 well you know well on our way sir the, 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 you know the the, the the numbers are pretty weird on ozzy in terms of the, you know the two, 250 batting average but somehow like yeah a, he's slugging a, a very, as of, yeah as of tonight after, after the game is over he's slugging five, 581 but his obp is like three yeah 319 <laughs> he has a 214 yeah. iso uh, sorry a 339 iso right now which is uh yeah that, that's perfectly sustainable i'm sure that all i mean yeah. we've seen we've seen we've seen him put together some halves of baseball where he hits a ton of home runs and he looks like ozzy is currently tied for the major league lead with in home runs with six so yeah uh, just like we all predicted he's on pace season. for like you know uh 60 home runs 61 home runs something like that oh yeah that's, yeah that's gonna happen for sure I'll, I'll laugh hysterically if he clears 40 it'd be incredible uh, it won't happen yeah but uh, and, and, yeah albies we're on the way yeah, just a guy like ronnie who they, they just have to respect at the plate and he's happy to take walks and then cause havoc on the base paths like that's a guy that i mean in addition to everything else he does on the baseball field but you know in, including hitting tape measure home runs and basically doing anything that anyone can do with a baseball bat. I, you can see that just, if he was just in the lineup right now, that this team would be, you know, have, would be above 500. You know what I mean? Just, it just, it, it feels like that, that he is the difference. And once he's back, he's going to do, you know, he's going to do good things for him. So I'm not worried about the Braves. I'm not worried about Ronnie. He's looked great. And I can't wait for him to be back. Yeah. He is clearly getting close. Looks great. And everybody's excited about that. And as we talked about last week, a little bit, like he just, puts everything else in place for the Braves when he, re- he returns. He, he checks every box, defense, lineup, leadoff guy, uh, power, everything, everything from Ron Acuna. So that will be very, very helpful when he returns. Okay, before we get to the uh, rest of the week's uh, action and a little bit of look ahead to upcoming weeks and uh, all that fun stuff, a word from our sponsors of the podcast today. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity – But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Eric, before we get into the games that transpired, I will tee you up here. Uh, Obviously, we have Road to Atlanta, which is for the the deeper thoughts on the minor league baseball side. But anytime I have you, we have not not talked about any minor league baseball uh, anything that people should know that are more like casual minor league observers, say, for instance, me, uh, someone like me that doesn't necessarily watch minor league stuff. Anybody jumping out to you at this point that you want to sort of preview into Road to Atlanta later this week or something like that? 
So there's a few guys that we're kind of keeping eyes on. Uh, Rome had their single game strikeout record set by a starter, and his name is Tanner Gordon. You will be forgiven for not predicting that happening because we didn't have him <laughs> as a top 30 prospect. Uh, so it's, it's fun little stories like that. There's a guy in uh, Augusta, Roy Bersalinas, who has been striking out guys that will get like a prodigious like 22 per nine rate. <laughs> um, uh, I don't. I think he ends up as a reliever just because there's a lot of effort, but he's been pretty pretty fun to watch. Beyond that, I mean, like Michael Harris, they've played 14 games in Mississippi and he's reached base in all of them. Uh, he's still very, very good. Um, you know, we've seen some guys hitting some home runs. You know, Drew Lugbauer has been doing good. Uh, you know, uh, Jesse Franklin, uh, who I'm sure you'll be happy to note, hit a three-run bomb tonight uh, that would have won the game for Mississippi if you if you ignore what happened in the top half of the ninth inning, which was probably one of the more epic uh, bullpen collapses I've ever seen in my life. I was um, uh, I was not watching uh, obviously, uh, but I was I was following Garrett's Twitter during uh, during the game this evening about Franklin. People were tagging me about Franklin and stuff, but uh, I was just watching him uh, sort of live tweet the meltdown at the end of the it, game. It was, yeah, so. Uh, yeah. So they were up 11-10 in the top of the ninth inning. They lost that game eighteen to ten or eighteen so, to eleven. That's not good. Generally. No, it was pretty. It was a, it was a pretty brutal one. Uh, but yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of good pitching. Um, Jared Schuster has been good. You know. Just the, the pitching has been particularly good in the lower levels. Uh, beyond that, just, you know, a lot of interesting stories that we're keeping an eye on. But in terms of offense, beyond like Michael Harris is kind of those big stories. It's mostly been a pitching, uh, which is not crazy, you know, <laughs> considering what's happened to the Braves farm system on the offensive side of the ball between trades and just promotions. Just, you know, the, the, the better players seem to have been on the pitching side. Uh, but there's definitely some guys we're keeping an eye on overall. That's a uh, perfect... Uh primer for the uh, upcoming road to Atlanta podcast and everything else. And please read the minor league recaps, all that fun stuff and uh, great job there. Um, okay. We're going to fly through some of the, some of the highlights from the week. Obviously, if you want the day to day, Sean's doing a great job on daily hammer as well. And when it's not uh, 1130 to midnight, we'll do more of this a little bit, but uh, you know, it's kind of straight ahead week in a lot of ways. Obviously Monday, the headline was the bullpen management, which we kind of touched on earlier about Newcomb. Uh, I'm going to eschew my rant for today but I thought it was uh, appropriate to pile on Snit a little bit on Monday for uh, basically saving the entire bullpen Sunday and then still not using his bullpen you know, on Monday in a close game. Uh, for instance, Tyler Matzik just hadn't pitched. I think he threw three times in the first 11 games, just kind of stuff like that, where it's uh, it's the same old story. So I'm not going to, it's not anything groundbreaking for me, but uh, that, that was definitely the story on Monday. Other than, other than just Sean Newcomb, uh, his final, his final outing, it turns out to be. Well, yeah, and, you know, I think the most predictable thing in the world was Freddie Freeman hitting a home run in his first plate appearance against the Braves, right? Uh, that uh, was that was predictable, yes. He was either going to kill them or he was going to do absolutely nothing. There was no one for four with a single and a walk or anything like that happening. He was either going to mash or he wasn't, and he mashed. So, and he did, um, yes. Yeah, uh, you know, Waskar, you know, a grooving, of, you know, grooving a ball like right in his wheelhouse certainly didn't help things, but um, – you know, just letting him launch a ball the other way. But, you know, at the same time, I think the bigger story is just that, you know, Waskari Noah was not particularly good in that game. I, again, I think they have some better options that are available to him as starters. And I'm, you know, they, they, they pulled the plug on that pretty quickly. You know, they, he, he doesn't have the command on a consistent basis. Um, and when he misses, and when his command is off, he can either walk a bunch of guys or he misses in the zone and gets killed. And we saw both those things happen against the Dodgers. And that's not a team you can do that against. So, Overall, like, you know, it was a bummer to lose, but at the same time, it kind of illustrated the point that, you know, the Braves need to make a change and they ultimately made that change. 
Uh, as for the bullpen stuff, it's frustrating to, you know, save bullpen guys as much as Snicker has and then not taking advantage of it. Uh, we don't know the full story on like what guys are dealing with dead arm type stuff in the bullpen. You know, there's definitely been some guys in the bullpen who haven't looked quite like themselves to start the season. So I don't necessarily want to kill him, but at the same time, you're up against a Dodgers team that you really need to put some losses on if you, if you get the chance to. Um, yeah, it's just frustrating. Ultimately, it's just frustrating because like Snicker has had a habit of, especially with Sean Newcomb in the bullpen, that he doesn't put him in in the six up and six nothing games. He puts him in the three nothing games or when they're down by a run or two. And every single time, it just never ends well. Uh, yeah. And he, he was, he, again, having that club in the bag, that's just when Snicker liked to use him. And it's just, again, I don't know what the point, like, again, if you, you know, I feel like there's better options that they could have at least kept things relatively close. And then if that doesn't work out, then you go to Newcomb and you just like run him out there for three innings. And then you can save your bullpen that way, as opposed to put him in that kind of what you probably accurate describe as a kind of a medium leverage spot. Um, you put in a, put in a real pitcher. If that doesn't work, be willing to pull the plug quickly and then go to your garbage time guy. Uh, Newcomb has to be your garbage time guy in that situation. And Not anymore. Nope. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's, it was frustrating to be sure. Yeah, that's enough on that game. Obviously, it's a sort of similar thing that we talked about a lot. Uh, more positively was Tuesday. Um, in fact, the Braves the Braves wins this week were all, uh, uh, so far anyway, were a, a 3-1 win and a 3-0 win, and uh, both were pitching dominance. So Max Freed looked like Max Freed on, uh, on Tuesday. Seven innings of two-hit ball with uh, eight strikeouts, no walks. Uh, he was just completely dominant. That was the only story of that game other than Arcia making me look silly with three hits. Um, he's been pretty good so far. I have to say that out loud. Uh, I'm not sure it'll continue, but he's been pretty good so far. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Considering what was more likely to happen, that he's been able to stitch together a couple of good games, it's perfectly fine. I- I'm just going to be glad when he's not in the lineup on a regular basis. I will uh, I will take it. As we talked about last week a little bit, uh, anytime that we are – predicting or pointing out that guys have struggled and that we don't agree with playing guys we're still hoping they do well so like it's one of those things where i'm hoping to be wrong on that uh but all all of the previous information tells you that he's not going to be this good alas oh yeah same thing with dansby right like you know like dansby at least has been at least it's been bad <laughs> well, like he, 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 well that's just it though like you can say like wow he is on one of those dansby streaks where he's historically bad and then there's this a segment of the fan base that's just dug in on he is the shortstop of the future and he played in our world series and hit a home run how dare you say anything mean about him when objectively he is a guy who for two months of the season is one of the best hitters in the lineup and for the rest of the season he's one of the worst it is just true he's it coming alive now a, a little bit and, at the end of this week so he, we'll see now, now based on what's happening for the last couple of games we're about to go on one of those dansby heaters but you will not convince me of anything other than the fact that at best dansby is a very inconsistent hitter you know what i mean and this, oh, yeah. i mean rc is kind of a different example is that he has no history of being a decent hitter throughout the course of his career uh other than that he was a highly ranked prospect at one point in time right uh anyone else is saying otherwise is just kind of <laughs> the, the 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 mental gymnastics to say that Orlando Garcia is a good hitter in his career and should be a, a yeah it's just never happened basis. it's, it's just, never happened it's, just, it's fine no. it still might happen he's he's 27 yeah. he's a he's a talented guy it's not like it can't happen but uh to your point like it has not happened so far um as for free like free was incredible 
I don't have much to add. Like it's Max Free looking like Max Free at his best, yep. which is kind of the only way I can describe that. He's obviously one of the best pitchers in baseball when he's, when he's got it going like that, and, and he did in that game. Uh, less so the next day, Morton was not his uh, crisp self, gave up a home run to Freeman along the way. Uh, but the bigger thing for me uh, in the Dodgers series was the offense. Uh, they only had about, I think it was, yeah, 283 on base percentage in the series. They had five walks and 25 strikeouts in the three games against the Dodgers. So, and in general, like the offense, while it wasn't the problem tonight on Saturday, they've only scored more than five runs three times this year. And that includes the loss tonight. So they've been okay. Like the, the guys who have been good have been good, but the offense, I think we could fairly say has not been as good as we thought it was going to be so far. Again, it's 10% of the games. I don't really care, but if you're looking at like trying to sort of, sort of appropriate blame, the offense has just kind of not been quite as good as, as it's supposed to be so far. Maybe that's just running not being there or whatever. And the bottom of the line being as bad as it has it been, but that has kind of been the culprit. It was definitely the culprit in the, in the Dodgers series. Yeah, the bottom of the lineup has been truly. I mean, Eddie Rosario has been bad. Alex Dickerson has been bad. Dan's been up until recently has been really bad. I have so some numbers for you, many... by the way, if you're ready for them. I have some really uh, bad well, numbers for you. Well, but we, we, we can get that into a second, but I do want to ask you, uh, we're talking about a three-start sample, so I'm not like, again, this is very much a don't draw too many conclusions, but Morton has not looked good to start the season. I, I wouldn't say he's looked awful, but he has not he's looked not. Good. He's not looked good, and neither, you, is, neither, is, neither is Anderson, by the way, which is just a different. No, no, he's not. He, but he's not really. Yeah, uh, for weirdly, for different reasons, um, like Ian just can't command his fastball right now. But in Morton's case, you worry. Are you worried at all that maybe Father Time's catching up a little bit with Morton because he's just not, he's not fooling guys, and you know he's also coming off a real injury. I mean, he got his leg broken in the World Series, so I don't want to necessarily like you know you don't want to pile on a guy too much for that. But at the same time, are, are, do you have any worries about Morton? I mean, like, there's legitimate reasons to worry about Anderson, again, just because the, the command has been really rough. But, you know, in Morton's case, like, there's kind of some, you know, you know inevitability to, you know, eventually he was not going to be, you know, one of the best pitchers, on, you know, on whatever rotation he's in. So I, I was kind of curious as to kind of what your thoughts were on him. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a guy who's 38, 39, and does not start well coming off an injury like that. And the numbers, like, I know there's a different school of thought on how much people believe these numbers, but the stack, let's just say the stack cast numbers, like the expected ERA, expected batting average allowed, expected WOBA are all really bad. Like, it's not like he's been unlucky so far. According to the batted ball data, he's not been unlucky. He's just kind of been bad so far. Now, the combination of that and the fact that he is uh, not young will tell you that maybe you're a little bit more concerned than you would have been normally with Anderson. It's that I've always been a little bit skeptical of Anderson in the regular season because, you know, the sample size is not that big of him being awesome. Um, obviously it's battered when he's been under the lights, he's been really good, but um, it's different from Morton. Who's like, you're paying Charlie Morton to be solid. Like you're not paying Charlie Morton to be volatile. And the problem is if he has, if he is now volatile, that definitely hurts you a little bit. It's three starts. I'm not going to panic about it but certainly your eyebrows raised more than they would. Let's just say Max Free was bad for three starts. I would be a lot less worried than I am right now about Morton because Morton's 38 years sure. old. It's just, it's just that easy. It's just that simple. I mean, I'm not worried yet, but I'm a little bit more concerned and keeping an eye on it than I would be for someone like Free, who is the comparable pitcher to Morton on the staff in terms of like recent effectiveness. Those guys um, coming into the year, there was like two options that you, that you could choose for the Braves' best pitcher, and those are the two guys – but Freed, 
unless there's something wrong with his arm or he's hurt or something like that, obviously he's going to be good. He has no like age or, you know, weird decline stuff. Whereas Morton just actually could be declining. He's 38 years old. So we'll see. It's a concern. You know? I mean, if Kyle Wright is uh, prime Nolan Ryan, that it's less of a concern, but they, they have to have, <laughs> he's, he's heading in that direction, but I mean, he's they have, but unreal. the thing is like, even if, so let's just say, let's, this is in a worst case scenario, but let's say Charlie Morton is now not a top tier pitcher anymore. I'm not, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm saying we assume that just for this, for this discussion, if he's replaced by Kyle Wright being a top tier pitcher, that obviously helps you, but then you're, you're kind of back in the same spot where you still only have two and a half guys that you trust. Like, it's not like, you know, you're just inserting a guy immediately. And I want to stress Kyle Wright uh, has been awesome this year. I, I don't think we are quite at the point where you could, we can just assume he's going to be this guy moving forward. Maybe he is. I'm not saying he's not, but uh, we have, we have listeners who have been fervent in their beliefs and a, and a co-host for that matter. But I say Scott, Scott Coleman is, is more than a listener, my friend, more than a listener. Scott Coleman is uh, dialed and, in. Uh, more, more targeting Joe, who basically anytime he, Kyle oh, Wright's we, name is mentioned. We love Joe. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's, he has to have a, like a, a name search just constantly rolling on Kyle Wright, <laughs> right? ready, ready to defend him to the death. But no, it's like, okay, I don't know. We, we can sort of talk about right now briefly because we're already here about pitching. Um, right, the, the numbers are crazy. Three starts, 17 innings, 11 hits, two walks, 26 strikeouts. So he has 13 to one strikeout to walk ratio. He's allowed two home runs in 17 innings. Uh, Bowman had this stat today. Uh, among all pitchers in baseball who have allowed at least 25 balls to be put in play this year, he has the second best expected ERA and expected Woba. So it's like he's it's not like he's getting lucky. Like the batted ball profile what, tells you he's been incredible. So is, is Rodon is Rodon above him? Is that who it, uh, is? it was? I think it might be. I, I didn't see who it was because I just I just saw that from Bowman. Yeah, yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't check it. Yeah, I, um, I can tell you the other thing that was crazy that that uh, I think it was somebody else had this. But maybe it was Dob. I, and I checked this one actually. He has 42 swing, swinging strikes this year already, which is only behind Corbin Burns, who is the reigning Cy Young Award winner in the National League. The only guy that has more swing, swings and misses than Kyle Wright so far. Uh, so we talked about him last week. I, I don't want to do a weekly Kyle Wright segment. Maybe, maybe, maybe we have to we just should, because wait, he's wait, been wait, ridiculous. Wait, we might be heading there, yeah. I mean, maybe. Uh, okay, so I, I haven't asked you about this on the record. Like, what do you make of this? I'll just leave it open-ended. What do you make of this? Um, so the thing that I've always said about Kyle is that his stuff always looked good the first time through the order. Uh, he certainly had nights where he didn't command it as well. And, you know, that would, those would be relatively short starts in the minor leagues or even in the major leagues for that matter. But it was the approach that he took the second time through, not, not continuing to stay aggressive, not trusting his stuff, um, being kind of cute, trying to nibble on corners and taking, you know, taking you know some velo off his you know breaking ball or off his you know off his fastball to be able to command it a little better uh it always just ne- it never ended well when he was trying to fiddle with things the second time third time through he's just trusting his stuff now and combine that with the the best pitch that he's throwing well i i can't even say that because really everything's looked good but yeah the arm the arm side run that he's getting on his fastball at times uh even to like to right-handed hitters and the swings that he's getting seems to think that he's one, he's just staying aggressive. He's just pumping it in there, getting late action on all of his pitches. And that's, what's changed. It's just that he's just, look, I, I can throw this. I don't think you can hit it. <laughs> Not, 
I'm going to put this in this exact spot. And it's, you know, this is exactly where, you know, I think that if I locate this, even if I have to take a couple miles an hour off my fastball to get there, uh, I'll do that because if, then if he misses and all of a sudden he like, it changes, it just would turn into kind of this weird nightmare scenario where the command would go and his approach would be all over the place. Whereas now he's just like, hit it if you can. And they haven't been able to because oh. this guy who was a number one, like a potential number one pick in the draft that he was drafted. In. And he has all the arm talent in the world. It's just, you know, what's frustrating was, it was very much like a, a confidence and a mental thing with him. He just wouldn't trust that what he can do with a baseball cannot be hit by people with a baseball bat. And now he can, and I don't know what changes were made to that. And he certainly like the quality of his pitches has improved too. And that's just comes with, you know, practice and execution and understanding kind of what, you know, what kind of spin he can put on a ball and then where to locate those to get the best results. But we've seen him be good for stretches in the minor leagues. What he's doing in the major leagues right now is not anywhere close to what he was doing there. And again, a lot of it's just coming down to he trusts himself. And when you pitch with confidence and you have a lot of talent in your arm, good things can happen. Yeah. So the only other thing I'll add about this that we should at least touch on is that um, in the sixth inning on Friday, Snicker came out to, I thought, take him out of the game with the bases loaded and he left him in. It got a lot of attention, even some national attention that Snit went out there and uh, didn't pull him and he got out of it. Um, I don't ever want to make too much out of that stuff, but there was a lot of like, Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, all of the confidence that, that, that gives him I th- certainly doesn't, not a small thing. And as we've said a number of times on this podcast over the last few years, if there's one thing that I, I do believe that Brian Sicker is like truly elite at it's uh, managing people. Um, for the most yep. part, like he seems to be really good at that. So uh, maybe that matters a little bit and gave me more confidence. Cause you talk about the confidence issue. Like that's another thing, like maybe Stent knew that and was like doing that on purpose to go out there and be like, Hey, we believe in you. I'm just going to come out there and just kind of say hello, check it on you and uh, say, go, 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 out, go out there and be somebody. And it worked. So I don't know. It happened and he was you know thoroughly dominant. They won the game and shut out fashion, but um, we'll see his next start is going to be this week. And, Maybe we'll do the whole thing again next week. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's been so good that it's like appointment um, conversation. I think we could probably do the whole podcast on Kyle Wright and Matt Olson right now and just kind of be fine because those guys have been incredible. Yeah, they've been really great. Uh, before we move on to the this game that just happened on Saturday, which is going to be a frustrating one to go through, uh, you know, Jorge Soler got a lot of love from Braves fans. And As I want to thank each and every one because – I, I can't. I can't look at him without smiling. I really can't. Okay, hold on. Did, did you did you see? Did you see? And you'll, you'll probably see that I'm what I'm going to do now. Uh, there was a where I, where I saw this was on. I think it was the Baseball Gifts Twitter account. Um, tonight tweeted out this photo of uh, after the Solaire home run. Uh, of course, I'm saying the Solaire home run, and I think our listeners will know which one that it was in Game Six. Um, and there's this screen cap, and they're all celebrating, and you can see. Max Freed on the bottom right of the photo. Look at it again right now. Uh, Freed, you can see only his head in the dugout. And uh, apparently Dansby described this on a, on a pregame interview tonight as uh, Freed sitting there not celebrating. And I'm quoting now from Dansby, sitting there like a psychopath. And you can see Freed's picture on this. You can see on my Twitter account, I, I retweeted this. If you want to look at this, Eric, if you haven't seen this yet, it's incredible. Uh, it's basically just everybody else, and I mean everybody else, is going crazy celebrating. And Max Freed is looking like a crazy person, dialed in, sitting sitting in his seat, like not even moving, just staring, just staring straight ahead. I did see that. Um, it's so good. It, it, it is really good. 
So um, I, I had to mention yeah. that because it came through my timeline tonight, it's, it's and I saw it. And this, oh my gosh, it's great! It's such a like that story is always going to be about a pitcher too, right? Like all those stories are like you know like the guy just sat there and just didn't talk to anybody and just looked like he was going to kill somebody. When they're in the like the zone like that, like it's always a pitcher story. And uh, also, Dan's noticing it too. Like Dan's been like uh, uh, taking the time to notice that he was doing that in the, yep. <laughs> in the midst of everything yep. else. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Um, but yeah, I, I was glad too. Love, like love you Jorge were about Soler. Soler. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah. great to see him be, get that acknowledgement. And um, you know, it's one of those things where like you get him starting ovation in his return, uh, and then you go at him the rest of the series. That, that's the way it should be. Um, by the way, it should be the same thing when Freddie when Freddie comes back. People are gonna be upset about that. I get it, but like when Freddie comes back. His first his first plate appearance should be a standing ovation, and then from there you can boo him if you want to. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's how it will happen. Too. I think so too. Uh, but uh, we'll yeah, see. Uh, he's the, he's if he does anything of note against the Braves, he's going to get the crap boot out of him, and that's fine but for that for, for, that's, for, that's that first at, for that first at bat. I think that there's I think there's enough love there. Yeah, Maybe. absolutely. Um, um, other than that, on Friday, uh, Travis Demerit season after all this time, and he, he technically debuted in the majors for a different team, but uh, after he was a prospect that, that I know you talked about a lot, uh, him coming up and actually playing in a major league game for the Braves on Friday was uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, it's definitely been a, a long road from when a notable writer claimed that Travis Demerit was a better second-base prospect than Ozzie Albies in the Braves farm system, um, which didn't really work out, but it's cool to see him make it get, get a chance and he he hit a double in the game so it was good to actually see him contribute in the game too i i was really confused at first because i i'm not sure why i i think the order i just saw that travis demerit was getting making his making his debut and i didn't understand what had happened uh but then you know adam duvall was dealing with a family issue and yeah was, i was know, confused fairly, i was like uh, wait uh, duvall uh, sitting as a left-hander like this is so weird like why is he sitting yeah, right some, now <laughs> yeah some, Man, something was good something yeah, and something was going on. I was like, "What? This is like of all like that's like like the one time you really want Adam Duvall into." But overall, it's it it was it was cool to see. Um, I still don't think I mean, he's a guy that just strikes out too much, and you know he will be fun for a few games here and there. But largely, you know, I wouldn't read too much into it other than the Braves just happen to have a guy, you know, on their forty man that was around that could fill in for a game here and yeah. there, especially with Drew, especially with Drew Waters out. It's mostly just cool that he was able to do it. Obviously, I don't think he's going to be a huge part of the core or anything like that. But uh, it was. It, oh, it there's the, was the, cool. the, the, there is a small but vocal segment of the one. Every time he gets a home run, is when is he going to get a chance? I mean, he always looks yeah, great like, when he, when he's playing well. Like he's physically like yeah. he has he has tools. There's no there's never been a question about that. It's just yep. whether he put it for, all together. Yeah, yeah, for about twenty games a year. Yeah, <laughs> I'll defer to you on that. Um, we're not going to do a whole recap of games of the game tonight because it's just going to it's going to be out of date by tomorrow. But uh, there was some stuff that we have to at least touch on um, early, by the way, there was some like pseudo major league history that happened early in this game. Both teams let off the game with first pitch leadoff home runs from jazz Chisholm yep. and Ozzy yep. Albies. Uh, the second time that's happened since 1988, which is when pitch counts were actually tracked. Um, second time in baseball, like in, you know, 30 plus years, that's actually happened. That's pretty crazy. Um, by the way, again, as mentioned earlier, that's Ozzy's sixth of the season. He tied for the major league lead crazy stuff there we talked about anderson and dickerson's home run and the fact that the previous 16 home runs were solo that's a crazy stat in itself um colin McHugh had a rough one let's just say uh he i think is still good at baseball i'm not worried but he was bad in this game uh, and also special strider finally had a bad night he faced four batters and got no outs 
uh, and had no command. He got squeezed a little bit, I will say. I was about, I was about to say, hold on. Like, let's be clear. He threw four strikes in that at bat that he gave up a yeah. walk. Yeah, that was tough. So, like that, that, that. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pile on Spencer too much. No, he, I'm not worried. It's just like notable because he, yeah, it was rough. Yeah, but and then Will Smith did not look great, but in typical Will Smith fashion, like the one. Uh, almost home run he allowed was a sack fly and he gave up nothing else. So actually didn't do too much damage. Um, and they were still had, in the game. I, I, had, at that I had some, I had flashbacks. Yes, that's for sure. Um, they were still in the game, but obviously it was kind of a back and forth, back and forth loss nine, seven. They never were able to get back over the hump at the end um, in the middle of what was largely a bad night for the Braves. We talked about Dansby earlier, but just want to say this out loud. Dansby had a triple early in the game and then a two run single to give them the lead and he has been very bad this year, but Dansby has now, this is going to sound funny, he has now improved his, his WRC plus to 56 on the season, which is actually a lot better than it was. Well, it was uh, I mean, like 10. just put a ball on play to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like 10 previously. And it's a good time now to kind of just take stock of some of the bad stuff. Because uh, just to be positive for a second, uh, Albies, Matt Olson, Austin Riley, Marcelo Zuna, and Travis Arnaud have all been awesome this year. Uh, those five guys and then RC has been pretty good and those six guys have been hitting and basically no one else has hit uh Daisy's been better recently like at all I, I mean <laughs> literally at all I mean other than those six guys and that's uh, we're generously including RC with about 30 play appearances in there um but Dansby Duvall Eddie Rosario still has a negative WRC plus for the season for as much attention as, as Dansby's gotten Rosario has been He's the worst. much worse like much worse worst Worst player among qualified players in baseball. Yeah, he's I mean, because really, cause really bad. Well, because the defense is so I bad don't too. have an answer. Yeah, yeah it's not been, been good. Um, I know people have said this before, and I'll say it one more time now. He has been a slow starter. If you look at his career numbers, he's his worst month by a lot is April. So that's a little bit of a consolation prize. Maybe he just he just takes a while. There are some guys that do that, but uh, it's been pretty bad. Uh, Dickerson had the home run tonight, but uh, he's been both unlucky and bad so far. Um, and then you get into the bottom of the stuff, uh, bottom of the play appearance tab, and it's like Heredia and Manny Pena are struggling as well. So, not a lot going on in the bottom of the order. That's not breaking news, but it was good to see Dansby kind of show a little bit um, and had you know what should have been if the Braves had won this game, it would have been the biggest swing of the game with, with that, that that two run single in the sixth to give them the lead. They didn't hold it, but um, he's been at least showing signs, which is good. Yeah, uh, they definitely have to get some contributions from the bottom of the lineup, especially with Ronnie coming back. <laughs> Something would be uh, good. You, like you, 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 well, you, like when you have a guy like that at the top of your lineup, you would like to occasionally have a runner on base. <laughs> well, and, and, and here's the thing: like, okay, if you go through the top, the top guys, if you if you wanted to be negative, if you wanted to be, you would say that I don't think anyone out of the top five is expected to be as good as they've been so far. Like maybe close. Um, you could say maybe. Albies could repeat this. Maybe Riley could repeat yeah, this. R- 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 Riley, I feel like, is kind of like in line with what. Yeah, he's, he's a little bit above where I would say, but even then, like he's been good. Olsen's going to cool off because he has to. Like he's been unbelievable. He can't hit 400. Yeah. Yeah. I um, mean, he's been unbelievable this year. So I'm not saying any of those guys are going to be bad because they're not. But if you want to like take the negative approach, you could say, look, these top five guys are probably all going to, if anything, get a little bit worse than they've been so far. So you're going to have to get something else on the bottom of the lineup. And that's going to happen. Like, there's no way, um, knock on wood, I suppose, that the combination of Swanson, Duvall, Rosario, uh, and um, basically anybody else at the bottom of the lineup is going to be this bad. It just There's just no way that's going to happen. Um, now, how good they are is up for debate. 
for sure. Um, there's a chance Rosario is just not good. That's that's possible. There's a chance Dansby doesn't really have it. I, I do not. I do not think he's the worst player in baseball. No, he's not. <laughs> there's no question about that. He's not. He's not this bad. But uh, Duvall is famously a hot and cold guy too, and he, uh, you know, he'll always have a couple of runs during the season. He's kind of like Mini Dansby in that way, where like he'll go crazy for a month and then he'll be bad for a month, and it is what it is. Um, yeah, at the end of the, at the, at the, end of the day, you look, you look, you look, you look up, and uh, Duvall will be a league average hitter because that's just what he is. <laughs> but uh, it, it's sort of a roller coaster to get there. So anyway. That's the state of the uh, of things right now. In terms of like the actual like raw numbers, um, the numbers are fine for the offense. They're not like incredible by any means. But I'm doing the uh, the live update right now on the live stats, including today. And the Braves are essentially right in the middle of the pack in offense. They have a 107 WRC plus. That's pretty good. That's like you know 12 in the league, something like that. So they, I think they're better than that overall, especially with Ronald Acuna. But they have not quite found their stride just yet on offense. Um, anything else like strike you to talk about before we get out of here? I mean, the bullpen had a really bad night tonight. No question about that. Um, I don't worry about the bullpen at all, really, until I see evidence to actually panic. But, um, you know, there's still too much talent there for me to worry about that. Uh, and it was just kind of a kind of a one off against a Marlins team. It's not great at offense, which is a little bit concerning, I guess, but no concerns for me. Yeah, I think that all this stuff's going to work out. They're going to add Ronald Cooney Jr. to the lineup, which is going to be a, a really big addition to the lineup. I think that it'll a lot of this kind of unlucky stuff and just not being able to string offense together stuff is going to be solved, <laughs> at least presumably by him returning. He's just, they're just a, a much better offensive team when he's in the lineup. Um, I do in a little bit of uh, Mets news. Uh, it looks like that. Uh, well, I'd say former Met uh, Michael Conforto, who famously like, oh, I just hurt my shoulder. I just had to work back. Oh up. yeah, I saw that. He's out for the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's out for the year. Had to have shoulder shoulder surgery. So uh, you know, it could always be worse. You could be Michael Conforto, who uh, you know, could who have never signed. signed. A deal. Yeah, yep, never signed with anybody, and now is unemployed. And I mean, I, I, I would imagine there was probably some concern about his physical because usually guys have to take a physical and he may not have passed that physical um to sign oh, if, you had to have, if you had to have shoulders or that's what i'm saying not. so like maybe maybe the, maybe the whole thing was like you know teams maybe knew that he couldn't pass physical i don't know i'm just guessing but yeah and that was notable tonight it broke up while we were recording so um that was a uh one that was going i guess it's still pretty bad but when it was pretty bad early this year i saw some Braves fans like conforto and I'm like, well, he's better than yeah. what they have, but uh, it's not like they <laughs> could spend that much money. Was, I mean, he wanted real money too, so he wanted real money, and it was pretty telling that he hadn't signed anywhere yet. So there was clearly- well, yeah, there was a thought that maybe he was like going to pull a Dallas Keuchel and just like sign a one-year deal in June, basically, and just try to go back on the market again. But now we know why he didn't do that. So, alas, um, okay. From here, we're not going to do any preview stuff on Sunday because the game's going to be happening fairly soon as we record this. But they do play Miami in the afternoon on Sunday in a finale with Bryce Elder on the mound, and they they have an off day on Monday, and then it's three at home against the Cubs, and then three games on the road against the Texas Rangers. Um, not two fantastic teams on paper. So some winnable games coming up here for the Braves. Um, obviously. It remains very early. Uh, just as we talk right now, the uh, Rangers are five and nine, and the Cubs are seven and eight at the moment. So we will see. Uh, yeah. Any other Here's thoughts? That the, yeah, as long as the Cubs don't put up twenty-one runs, I'm so I think they'll they'll Braves will perform pretty well against the Cubs. Same thing. I, I sort of got. I almost cited their their run, run differential, and then I remembered that they won twenty-one to nothing today. So it's yeah, kind of, uh, um, I I will say that the Braves have not won a series this year yet, and it would probably be. Done. And considering that the slate for April was supposed to be pretty easy, 
it would be in their best interest to win one, if not both of those series. Well, now they they technically they can win on they can well, win on I Sunday. Guess, I guess the they, 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 if they yeah, that's fair. They can. Be, so they people can listen to this on Sunday afternoon or evening. Uh, they might have won. They might have won the series today. I don't know, but uh, yeah. they can win it on Sunday. And if they don't, you're right though. They uh, it, it would behoove them to get some wins. Bringing it full circle to the top of the podcast, like uh, my feelings are what they are. Like even the projection systems, they're not. Uh, panicking about the Braves nor should they at this point as we record this the Mets are 11 and 5 so they are four games back in the Mets that's not nothing uh, I'll say that um, and maybe the Mets are good uh, they are the Mets um, but we acknowledge I, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it well yeah we acknowledge pre- this preseason as well in, in, in the spring but um, we, we kind of said look the Mets are the most talented team other than the Braves in the division we all kind of know that they're also the Mets they are playing well they lost tonight as we're recording on Saturday but um I think that's it is also very clear to me that if the Braves were ha- were to have competition, it's still probably going to be the Mets. Um, we'll see if that happens. But the Mets at the moment have been as good as any team other than the Dodgers in the National League. So it's mostly apple size, as they say. Yeah, yeah. You know, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of weirdness going around. And I think that, you know, ultimately I the Braves are, for for fans who are listening, I know that it's been frustrating like a few first few weeks, but the Braves are going to be fine. <laughs> They're, I still believe the same is, thing. Uh, yeah, I'm, 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 conf- I'm sort of conflicted about this because of last year and just like how long they were mediocre to even worse than that last season. Um, and then they found it and that's all that matters at the end of the day. But um, the one, the one thing that is like, we can't say for sure that they're going to be great because we just don't know. But um, I tend to believe my priors more than what they've done so far. So only time will tell, Eric. We were, we're actually well, not allowed to uh, judge the team just yet. Uh, Memorial Day is not even not, not even close to being here yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the, the old saying. Yeah. The old saying, as they say. Yeah. Okay. Don't even look at the standings until then. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I I brought that rule just five seconds ago, but um, <laughs> alas, it's too <laughs> what early a rebel. in the season. Uh, I am certainly against the grain. Okay. We're both exhausted. It's uh, now we're into Sunday as we record this. So we're going to sign off. But, um, Eric, anything to plug other than Road to Atlanta, which we already talked about earlier, but uh, lots of stuff going on on the, on the on the podcast as well as the site itself. So what's going on on your end? Uh, before too long, we're going to start doing draft coverage, uh, pre-draft coverage. The Braves have, yep, it's coming. So uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the guys who we'd like the Braves to pick. Uh, down the line, I'm sure we'll talk about more about guys that we're hearing that could be connected to the Braves. July uh, 17th, the by the way, is the date of the draft. Yep. Yep, we, we start early. We start it's often. Uh, yep, we, we, we make sure we cover the crap out of it. So we're going to continue to do that. Uh, and so before too long here, uh, probably starting in the you know, first couple weeks of May, we're going to start kind of gen- like slowly kind of rolling into what our pre-draft coverage. And beyond that, just make sure you go to the site, check every day. If you want to know what's going on with the minor leagues, we recap every single minor league game, including the ones that happened today where I had to write that recap before I came on this very podcast. Uh, if there's a minor league game that happens – we recap it. Um, so make sure you check out the site every day at 10 o'clock. There you go. Check it out. Please uh, patronize the site each and every day. And please subscribe to this podcast on the player of your choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, um, Google Podcasts, Facebook as podcast now, um, all kinds of places. Stitcher, oh, really? I mentioned before. Yes. If you go to our Facebook page, you can actually see that it, op- it auto-populates. Same thing from my Locked on Hawks podcast, oh. which I never promote on the show because I probably should do that. But um. Yeah, if, if you have anything Brad says, if you have a Facebook <laughs> account on that is uh, officially for your entity, 
um, you can set it up to where it auto populates and it becomes a podcast feed, which is uh, occurring. Huh. So, huh. yeah, it's that. uh, that's life. The only thing that's the only place that we're not for this podcast is on YouTube, but we do have a battery power TV show on YouTube, so that's also available with Corey and Grant. They do a great job as well. We have uh, every single podcast platform, every single video platform, written platform minor league coverage, major league coverage, etc. It's all there for you. So please, please subscribe, check us out. And I appreciate the patronage. Eric, thank you, sir, for joining me late into the evening. Get an hour of sleep and then you're off here to do whatever you're doing. So. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. As for everybody else, we'll be back again uh, next week with this show. But uh, in the meantime, you will have Rogelana, I believe, and you'll definitely have Daily Hammer along the way in the next few days. So subscribe and we'll see you next time.